Welcome, everybody, to the very first all-time episode of Topical Brainstorm. Um, my name is Christian Larson, and this is my co-host, Garrett. Hi, I'm Garrett Fox. How are you? You asking me how I am, or are you asking no, I'm audience? asking the audience, gosh. <laughs> well, um, introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Garrett. I'm 25 years old. I go to college up at Utah State. I'm a biochem major, if that means anything to anybody. Um, yeah, just a normal guy, living my life, work a lot, trying to make some money. What about you? Tell us about yourself, Christian. All right. Uh, my name is Christian Larson. I am from Boise, Idaho, and um, I also went to school at Utah State. That's actually how me and Garrett know each other. We were roommates for three years. Um, got married about a year ago, moved down to Salt Lake. I'm now doing an accounting program at the University of Utah, and uh, I think that's all the important points. So um, back to you, Garrett. All you really need to know is that Christian, because he is an accountant, has no personality. Yeah, it's true. Just kidding. <laughs> That's actually why we're reading this book. Um, topic of today, we're reading the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, we're going to, for now, do a chapter by chapter thing. We've read the first chapter. And we're going to discuss it today. So um, that is where we're starting. Yeah. Uh, the first chapter was really good. Um, it took me till about half an hour ago to – I wanted to go one way with it. And that was like accept blame basically when it's not your own. Or when it – basically the chapter is talking about people don't ex accept blame and criticism on the, on themselves. And I wanted to take that in the direction of accepting that blame and crit criticism and allowing yourself to become better. But I don't think that was actually what the chapter was about. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, that actually also recently, like in the last hour, kind of came into my mind about how um, how to improve on that front. But I think I think the way he wrote it was more focused on helping or realizing that other people aren't going to take the blame in general and how to be a better leader slash influence people slash win people over um, in other ways because criticism doesn't work very well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I really like how he started off with talking about Two-Gun, Two-Gun Crowley, or however you say his name. Yeah. Um, it's all about how people perceive themselves. Can you hear that? Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, it's all about how people perceive themselves, and no one perceives themselves as the bad guy, I guess you could say. People generally assume the best of themselves. 
um, which means when when people are criticized, they they kind of shut down and they fire back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that yeah, he goes into that. He also talks about um, just other cr- criminals and how they almost always. Even on like death row, they claim that they're innocent or they claim that they have good hearts. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if, if someone who is literally a serial killer can still think that on the inside, obviously the people we interact with every day, um, even the ones who aren't serial killers, obviously. <laughs> Most of us. Are going to, <laughs> are going to, um, you know, they're going to justify their actions as opposed to um, admit when they've made a mistake. Um, because really when it comes down to it, all of us will justify our actions because all of us are doing what we think is best in most situations. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss over who two gun is. Uh, I just brought it up. I I feel like we should kind of tell the story a little bit. Two gun is, uh, he was a, an outlaw, so to say in New York city. And I think, what year was it? Like 1930s? I mean, the book was written in 1936. Yeah. But. No, early 1900s. We'll say that. And that he was. just, he's like, at the time, he was like New York's most famous outlaw, I guess. He, he was shooting cops up and shooting, just shooting people. Bad guy. And they caught him. And he wrote a letter to himself when they had him cornered in his sweetheart's apartment, as Dale puts it. And in this in this letter, he makes him sound like makes himself sound like the good guy, just trying to defend himself. Yeah, um, yeah, and he also mentions um, Al Capone. Yeah, and, uh, a few others who had that same kind of thought process even after all they'd done that they all considered themselves public benefactors yeah that's what he said um, yeah which is interesting that is interesting um it's it's very easy to skew the world in your favor i guess to it's it's easy to see yourself as the good guy even even when you know you've done something wrong like i know in my life sometimes i'm like uh i did this wrong I should apologize. And then I immediately think, well, this is why I did it, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the wrong action to take. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that applies for pretty much all relationships. Like I mentioned before, I, I got married a little over a year ago and marriage can be tough. There are a lot of, of arguments and a lot of occasions when one of us gets upset with the other. And I think I've realized in the end, it always comes down to like a misunderstanding, you know, it's like a lot of times my wife will do something that'll, that'll make me feel unloved or make me feel hurt. You know, I was like, why would you do something like that? And then once we communicated about it, we realized there was just a miscommunication, right? There was like something that I didn't communicate that I wanted or vice versa, which like, it comes down to neither of us are trying to hurt the other person. We're just trying to do what we think is best, but we don't realize um, how we're infecting or not infecting, affecting the other person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of things are just communication in life. 
Um, that's why, so I work at a pharmacy and I don't, if anyone else has ever worked in a pharmacy, you know, it's like a breeding ground for drama, like so much drama. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's mostly women that work there or what, uh, but people don't communicate. Things get lost and then feelings get hurt and no one accepts the blame, which is why I've started whenever something goes wrong. Um, I try, I look at it from all angles and I'm like, oh, this is what I did wrong. And I admit that to my boss, uh, all my bosses. And one of my boss actually bosses told me the other day, um, she pulled me aside and was like, Hey, you're one of my favorite people that work here. She said it kind of sarcastically, but she was was serious. Uh, it's It's just the type of relationship I have with her, I guess. She pulled me aside and was like, hey, you're one of the the few people here that actually accepts blame and you don't talk back. You just go and fix it. And I really appreciate that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Sounds like you already have this principle mastered, Garrett. Nah, uh, the accepting blame part, maybe, but that's not really what he was talking about. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, it goes both ways. I Like you mentioned at the start, um, there's the side of like finding your own faults and understanding where you went wrong, but there's also interacting with everybody. It is very easy to criticize um, others. And I, he, kind of the main principle at the end of this chapter, he emphasized don't criticize, condemn, or complain. All kind of falls in the same category, but... Um, it is very easy to be critical of others and other actions. Um, none of us are really interacting with as many people as before with this whole coronavirus thing, but even just like driving on the freeway, it's like someone's driving really slow. It upsets me. Someone's driving really fast. That upsets me too. I'm like, these people are dumb, but that's not really true. You know, maybe the person who's driving really slow has a big pot of soup in their car. The person who's driving really fast has a wife given a baby in the ho- or has a wife having a baby in the hospital you know there you go you just never yeah. really know other people's situations um but it's very hard in those moments to not criticize them yeah he actually talks about that a lot too he says in the the very one of the very last things he says in chapter 1 is don't criticize condemn or complain oh, sorry you already said that uh, try to try to understand people instead of condemning them. Yeah. Which reminds me a lot of my psychology professor up here because he's always like just trying to figure out why people are the way they are instead of uh, condemning them for who they are. Which is, I mean, I feel like life is a lot better when you do that personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like this could have been a good thing to learn a few years ago. As I mentioned, we were roommates, me and Garrett, for three years. And the, the first year we were roommates, we kind of we were randomly assigned to each other with a bunch of other dudes. And uh, we had this issue where no one would wash their dishes. <laughs> and I feel like for the first pretty much two years I lived with Garrett, I would just like – I would like – 
I was pretty mean to you, right? I was. Oh, like, you, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you were super. <laughs> you and Luke both were just kind of brutal sometimes. I was like, wow, I don't feel like I totally deserve this, but okay. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I condemned you, but I definitely criticized you uh, yeah. and complained a lot yeah. <laughs> about the dishes. And yeah. I mean, looking back, I don't, I still don't know if I totally understand your behavior. I mean, you probably just didn't care thought it could wait till later and i obviously didn't at that point yeah and i think i think we both kind of grew to where it didn't bother me as much and i think i don't know maybe you did more dishes later on but i th- i think that i i was just kind of raised a little bit differently in that aspect like i never really we never really cared about dishes in my house we would just do them whenever you know yeah um and I feel like we both grew to respect each other's like habits, I guess. Yeah. And each other's. But I will say when I stopped feeling criticized is when I actually started to care about that. Now that you bring that up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I remember like the first year I would, I would just like mock you and, and complain a lot. And I remember one, at one point, we had like a roommate meeting and just like talked it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, Which I do feel like from then on. And I think I just grew to accept a little bit of a mess as opposed to everything needing to like the sink needing to be empty. But I do think there was, we both kind of changed our habits regardless. It could have been handled better. Yeah. Probably on, probably on both sides. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Uh, what I really liked, um, I liked the quote from John Wanamaker who owned a bunch of stores back when this book was written. I've never heard of a Wanamaker store. I don't know if you have, but they might still be around. But he said, apparently he was a really successful guy and he said, I learned 30 years ago that it is foolish to scald, uh, which kind of ties into what you're talking about. And he talks about how it's, it's the same story. Like no one likes to be scalded, and it just makes Scold, people pro- scalded, 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 scalded. You know what that means? Well, scalded is to like get burnt with hot water, right? Yeah, but you can say it in like a. Uh, you can also mean it and like be criticized. I thought that was well. Okay, maybe I just didn't hear you. I feel like scald and scold. Whatever. I probably, I probably said it wrong. I don't know. I'm criticizing you. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll stop. Funny. Uh, I, I probably said it wrong. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no one likes that. It just makes people put up walls, you know? It's just not yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, in, I was impressed with um, the story about Abraham Lincoln as well. Dude, Abe Lincoln, man. Abe Lincoln. I yeah. love that guy. Um, it talked about how well there was there was a general who um, basically Gen- let. I think it was General Meade. General Meade. He let General Lee from the South escape, cross over the river because he procrastinated. Um, I think it was after Gettysburg, right? But yeah, it was the Gettysburg um, battle. Yeah, the river was overflowing. General Lee and his army couldn't cross it. Um, if they had taken advantage of that opportunity, 
they could have ended the war, but General Meade procrastinated, and Abraham Lincoln wrote him a letter saying, like, go now, just get it done. In the end, General Lee escaped. The war went on for, for a few more years, and uh, Abraham Lincoln um, just, like, it talks about how he he learned to never criticize people, but yeah. uh, the letter he wrote was just, that, like... That letter was so touching, man. Like, yeah. Well, the, the touching part wasn't the letter. The touching part was that it never got mailed. Yeah. So, yeah, just to be, just so everyone is aware, he wrote a letter to General Meade basically criticizing him, but it was a very light criticism in my opinion, like it wasn't like as harsh harsh as it should have been for that situation. Yeah, not at all. But, but he just never mailed it because he felt it was too harsh and too um, well, Dale goes on and talks about his theory of why he never mailed it, which is because it was too harsh and too, too broad. I, I don't know how to say it, I guess. Just really mean. He thought it was too mean. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, he also talks about how Lincoln grew to become that person because he used to criticize people all the time when he was younger and then somebody challenged him to a duel and that's when he realized that he should probably stop criticizing people. Yeah. That's a scary circumstance to learn that lesson in, but yeah. Um, he learned it for sure. And, um, at one other point it, it gives a quote that he said about the Southern people. And he said, don't criticize them. They are just what we would be under similar circumstances. Which I, I love that. Yeah, I thought that was awesome because, I mean, you see that today too with people like trying to tear down the founding fathers for their flaws. Yeah. Which like, it's not as if our generation is way more, more, more moral than every other person who's ever lived on the planet, you know? No. But, like, that's a big scale. Anyway, going down to, like, small-scale individual relationship level, that's just really sound advice, you know? It's like everyone has their reasons, and if you try to understand them as opposed to criticize them, you can usually figure those out and understand people better, um, which just leads to better relationships all around. Yeah, I totally agree man like people judge way too fast and they don't stop to think about their own flaws and it drives me crazy drives me nuts yeah which is a criticism of people that i just made and i apologize for that (laughs) (laughs) he isn't perfect ladies and gentlemen all right real real question for you though so we have a lot like the not a lot of drama. We, we do pretty good at resolving drama at my place of work, but there's quite a bit of drama. And a lot of people talk crap on other people. And that's kind of like what this is, what this chapter is about is not criticizing people. Um, so I want to ask you, how do you respond to someone being criticized um, to you basically like do you 
because you can't jump in and also criticize that person. I don't believe in that, first of all. If you won't say something to someone's face, you shouldn't say it at all. But yeah, I guess I just don't know because a lot of people say things about people at work and I just like never know how to respond, whether it's about a customer or about another employee. So I was just wondering what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, tough question. Um, I did read once that like hating similar things or like complaining about things with another person bonds you with that person. That's true. Like I think, I think, I'm, and I'm not, I'll finish my thought. I don't think that means that you should uh, just jump in with the criticism, but yeah, <laughs> I think that makes it very hard to resist at times, you know, um, to criticize, especially when someone's doing it next to you, you know, um, I think a lot of times I tend to just like laugh it off and just walk away, but obviously you can't always do that either. Um, I know that's a tough question. Maybe you need to suggest this book to him. Yeah, Maybe. It's just kind of, it's just a weird thing in life, you know? People talk crap on people. And sometimes I totally agree with what they're saying, which yeah. makes it even harder to, like, not talk crap on someone. But it's never the right thing to do. It's never the right way to go. I feel like if you do have to criticize someone, it should be, to their face and in a gentle and well-meaning loving way, you know, constructive, constructive. Yeah. Um, which is, brings me to this quote from Benjamin Franklin that he, um, quotes in the book. It says, I will, uh, it talks about how Benjamin Franklin became the, uh, what was he? The, what's the word? ambassador the ambassador to paris and why he was appointed to that and why he was so good with people how he became so good with people the quote is i will speak ill of no man and speak all the good i know of everybody um that's freaking cool man just like never say anything bad about anyone and if there's something good maybe that's the answer when you're when someone's being criticized to you, you say, "Yeah, but and then you say something good about them instead of something bad. Yeah, that probably is a very good solution, like Thumper from Bambi, you know I don't think I've seen Bambi recently enough to know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean. I think it's Thumper who says it. He says, uh, if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty famous quote. I, I, like should, I just didn't know he was the one that said that. Uh, I, I probably got that wrong. I, I also haven't seen Bambi in like 15 years. So There you go. 15 years. It feels weird to be able to say that, man. We're getting old. It does. We are. But. We are. I mean, not really. We're 24, 25, but. Yeah. I'll let the audience decide which one of us is 24 and which one is 25. Well, you, you said your age earlier on. Oh, so dang it. I did. Never mind. They remember. It's okay. We'll just edit that Maybe part out. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I also I wanted to touch on the point. Um, he he references this psychologist named B.F. Skinner. Oh yeah, yeah. Who um, did this experiment on animals, which later was proven true with humans as well. But he talks about how. Um, animals learn much better when you reward good behavior as opposed to punish for bad behavior. Um, which is very true. I just got, um, me and my wife got a puppy like two months ago. She's, she's four months old. Her name's Scarlett. She's adorable. Um, and it's a lot of work to train a puppy, but she's really smart, which helps. So you can like teach her a trick by giving her treats um, within 20 minutes, you know, but she won't stop biting and chewing on everything, which like it's been so hard to train her to not behave that way, you know, because all you can really do is like reward her when she's chewing on something good. But yeah, regardless, I definitely have experienced that firsthand and it is very true that good behavior rewarded is efficient. Well, that's tough too because you can't really reward her when she's not chewing on anything because that would be a lot of the time too. Yeah. She like wouldn't know what she's being rewarded for. Yeah. And like barking, you know, she like keeps uh, yeah. barking. Yeah. Anyway, I've I've definitely seen that work as far as like rewarding good things, you know. Yeah, for and sure. It's, it's just interesting that that just applies to humans as well. Um. And I think that's a really good thing to remember when you're when you're trying to like lead people or be a good example at work, you know. Um, like with your situation at the pharmacy, um, just trying to like, I don't know, I don't know how you can reward people for not criticizing others. But <laughs> do you watch The Big Bang Theory? No, never. Have. Oh, dude, I'll send you a clip. That there's a clip. Uh, from it where they're all scientists basically and then there's the girl across the hall who's super attractive and one of the scientists like trains her like classically conditions her with chocolate to do what he wants it's super funny <laughs> there's a similar scene in the office with with jim and mince or that one. oh yeah 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 funny but back to re rewarding people um instead of criticizing them. Uh, I really like the story of uh, George B. Johnston, uh, the Oklahoma, the engineer in Oklahoma, who was the safety coordinator. Do you remember mm -hmm. that story? Yeah, with the hard hats. Yeah, basically the story is people weren't wearing their hard hats and they had to for safety reasons. And whenever he saw people wearing, not wearing their hard hats, he would just yell at them until they put them back on. And he knew as soon as he left that they'd just take him off and curse him. So he tried a different approach where he, whenever he saw someone not wearing one, he would go up to him and ask him like, Hey, is your hard hat? Like, is it not working for you? Is it uncomfortable? Like, we, I just need you to wear it because of safety. I don't really want to be like a jerk to you or anything. Uh, and a lot of people responded really well to that. They, 
it let them know that he just cared about their safety and they were much willing, much more willing to, um, to accept the rule and just do it where, and no one had hard feelings towards him at all. Uh, I really liked that story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, look at, looking back on, on the jobs that I've had, I, uh, there was one construction job I had where there were, there were just a couple guys who were like rude about things, you know? And it was, it was when I was living, it was like our, our second year of college. I worked framing for a semester. Just a couple of the guys I worked with were just like, like quick to criticize, you know? Yeah. And, and I was, it was my first, I, I worked there for four months. So inexperienced, um, didn't really know what I was doing. I needed a lot of, at least like instruction. And then I, I feel like I could figure things out, but. Um, it made it hard to like go ask those guys questions, it made it hard to, to want to interact with them. Um, compared to like the, the other job I had, um, for two years, it was just a small company. My boss was always like, I never felt like he criticized me, never felt, um, like I was being, talked bad about behind my back, nothing like that. And I feel like that made a huge difference in my opinion of those companies slash just my experience working there, you know, um, just like a bad and good example of, of leadership and of not criticizing or condemning that I've seen in my work experience. Yeah. Dude, people just want to be appreciated. That's all they want. Yeah. It's so hard to like realize that too, but once you realize that, I have such uh like whenever I get to work, when I get mad, I cannot hide it from people. I'm very open about it. Like I don't mean to be. I try to hide it, you know, like a normal person. Yeah. But I have I just have like super bad RBF and then I <laughs> I like legitimately customers have asked other employees um, if I was mad at them and they just have to say, no, he's just having a bad day. I don't know what his problem is. And that makes me feel so crappy. Yeah. Like you just got to appreciate people when it's hard for you to do, to do that. That's all people want. Like today I was really hungry at work and I noticed like I was really short with people. And then I, I was like, once I realized that I was like, okay, this is fine. I can deal with this. I can be, I can be nice to people. And I think once you learn how to do that, when it's hard for you, you can do it all the time. If that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I just rambled there without a real point. <laughs> Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I think, yeah, you're going to have days when you're not as focused on that, you know, or days when other things are on your mind, days when you're upset. Um, I, I think, I think that's pretty normal. I also think the way you treat people 
Like if you're consistently, you know, good to people, you're going to build that relationship, which means like on days when you are upset, you can just be like, Hey, it's nothing you did. I'm just grumpy. Yeah. If you can do that. And like, I, I think with good friendships, you can do that. Right. And your friends just like, okay, cool. Good to know. Whatever. I'm not offended. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree with you. I could say that to you at any time and it would be fine. Yeah, you're grumpy a lot. Shut up. I'm grumpy now. Why'd you, you say hungry? that? Are you hungry again? Yeah, I haven't eaten since lunch. I'm going to go cook some ramen. Probably going to make some chicken, actually. Some chicken, some mm. mac and cheese, you know, the things Garrett eats. You got I some Otter Pops? Oh, yeah, dude. I got a case of those in the freezer. <laughs> I, I feel bad, actually. So Austin, my roommate now, um, he bought a bag of them, those Walmart ones, those giant ones, Jeez. and I ate all of them. <laughs> so yeah. I had to go buy him a new one. Could have called that. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, um, yeah, I want to go back and touch on what you said at the start about being in the recipient shoes of criticism. Kind of seeing it from that point of view. Okay. Because cause he, he says, I mean, the Del Carnegie says a couple times that like almost all people, you know, get defensive or they rationalize or explain their position. You know, that, that criticism hurts, hurts our pride or our sense of importance, that it arouses resentment. He says all those things. Anyway, question for you. How do you think? How do you think we can better, like knowing, knowing what we know about, about this concept, um, how do you think you can better or more healthily accept or handle criticism when it's directed at you? Can you repeat that one more time? Just that last bit. I rambled. Yeah. Um, like, how do you become one of those few people who knows how to handle criticism or who does not get defensive? Or how do you, how do you figure out how to more healthily deal with criticism? Okay. I think that, honestly, consciousness is key in that. Like, if you consciously say and are aware that you're not perfect and that you probably should be criticized occasionally that people have that you do things wrong. If you're aware of that, then when the criticism comes, it's easier to take on. I mean, it still hurts a little, but like mm -hmm. at work, sorry, I talk about work a lot. That's basically all I do lately. It's no worries. You got to take criticism because it just, it makes, first of all, it makes you come off, I feel like, more intelligent because you can say, yeah, I screwed that up. I'm sorry. Um, and it really diffuses situations as well. I've noticed with customers, when they're mad, you just suck it up and apologize and say, yeah, you're right. I, I should have done that better. I apologize. We'll do better next time. And it, and it makes them happy.
it really diffuses things. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't feel like I answered your question, though. <laughs> to answer your question more directly, well, yeah, just consciousness. Be yeah, aware yeah. of yourself. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Be aware of your your own problems, I guess. Problems isn't the right word, but your own issues. I got issues. You got them too. Good song. Good song. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think, I mean, I, I think everybody is um, self-aware in certain areas, you know? Yeah. I think we all have blind spots, if that's the right word for it. Um, yeah. And those are, you know, those are really hard to to discover and accept because, like, I'm sure, yeah, like, I would, I would, knowing you, I would say, I would say you're, you know, pretty self-aware um, in a lot of areas, and I would hope that I am as well, but, like, the hard parts, obviously, the parts that you're not self-aware of are the parts that are probably the hardest to accept criticism in, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like you really just got to step back and examine yourself. Like when you hear criticism, just, you you got, yeah, you just got to step back and think to yourself, was that deserved? You can't even almost think that you got to like assume it was deserved at first because otherwise you'll never accept it in the first place, you know, you'll put up that wall. Yeah. But I've also been criticized for things that I definitely shouldn't have been criticized for things that were not my fault. And the more I look at those things though, the more I see where I maybe was a little bit at fault in them. Mm-hmm. But at first, I just didn't see that, you know. I think that yeah. comes. With, I think that comes with age as well. Like, the older I get, the more, the less I'm like. Or yeah, the older I get, the less I care about what other people think of me. I guess. In a lot of ways, I mean, I still care about like what girls think about me and stuff, but good reason. I'm not married, so. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, I think there's, I think you kind of said this, but to summarize what I think you said, kind of got to find a balance between accepting criticism and, and um, also like standing up for yourself, you know, either internally or externally to whoever is criticizing you, but don't like self-deprecate too much. Okay, let's pretend I don't know what deprecate actually means. Um, it's like being super critical. It's like being critical. So self-deprecate means to be like critical of yourself. Okay. Which if you take that too far, you're going to like ruin your self-esteem or just be miserable, right? Yeah, I get that. If you accept all criticism and take it too far, you like internalize it and then you're just like, I'm a horrible human being, but yeah. So you got to find a balance between 
accepting criticism. And I do, I do think you're right. I think sometimes it takes, it takes time to, to understand criticism of you sometimes. Yeah. There are things going back to like my wife that she said, and I'm just like, that is not true. And then I think about it for like two weeks. I'm like, wow, she was right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's an example also of getting defensive. So I think, yeah, I think it takes you know time and effort, as as all good things do, to uh, to figure out you know if criticism is deserved or um, you know figure out your flaws, your errors. Yeah, I agree with that. Lately, I've been thinking about how people victimize themselves, which happens all the time. Yeah people perceive themselves as the victim and if you want to be successful in life you really just gotta even if you are a victim somehow you gotta put it behind you and you gotta you gotta push through and go out and get what you want and i feel like most people first of all aren't victims anyway and i feel like people put the brakes on themselves no one really puts brakes on other people sometimes it happens but most of the time people are handicapping themselves instead of having somebody else handicap them that whole mindset of just victimization is the wrong way to go yeah yeah i think there's i think there's a lot of power in believing that you can get what you want you know yeah it's funny you bring that up, though, because that's actually one of the things that that uh, Kylie, my wife, has said about me. She's like, she's like, oh, you're so, you're always the victim, like sarcastically. And I was like, yeah. It's like no, I don't I don't play the victim ever. <laughs> to be fair, I think she might be right on this. I think you do it sarcastically a lot, but she's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> You think that too? Yeah, it's probably, like probably true then. Remember your whole spleen issue? Oh well, that was that was one hundred percent a joke. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you're joking, <laughs> but it's true. I get. I guess maybe maybe you're right. I need to reevaluate my my jokes. No, that and one's funny. To be, okay, just so everyone's aware, Christian got mono a couple a couple of years ago from his now wife Kylie. And uh, she would try to tickle him all the time. And he said, stop doing that. My spleen's enlarged. (laughs) And then he would just like clutch his abdominal area where his spleen is. Well, to be honest, I don't even, I still don't even know which side my (laughs) spleen's on. It's on your left side, bro. Left side, okay. Thanks. (laughs) Unless you have that weird disease that, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, crap. Donnie Osmond has it. All his internal organs are are switched. They're on the other side of his body. Ugh. It's really weird. Never heard of that before. He he like had this weird pain on his left side and they couldn't figure out why. It was his appendix, but it's normally on the right side, so it was like a whole issue for a little bit there. Huh. Interesting. Didn't yeah. Know that. I mean, it makes sense that that could happen. I don't know. Yeah. I'm an accountant. What do I know? <laughs> yeah, I took anatomy twice. 
<laughs> to be okay, just so everyone knows, I failed it the first time. Didn't you only didn't didn't you drop out? I dropped after three weeks. Yeah, that's right. You didn't fail. I studied every night for like three hours a night, <laughs> and I still bombed that first test. And I was like, if I actually study and try hard and don't do well, like obviously this class is not for me. Like yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to victimize myself right now. But that class was hard. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good call. That was, yeah. that was a tough three weeks. I knew a lot about anatomy for those three weeks, though. Yeah, you were you were putting your kaput through a lot. My kaput, my head. Yes, that's the one term I remember from those three weeks. I don't know how that's the only one you remember. I walked around the apartment just yelling anatomy, anatomical words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. Great times, man. Good time. You're probably bouncing the basketball around. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, do you have any other uh, points from this chapter you want to bring up? Um, I do want to bring up the the Bob Hoover story real quick just because I loved it. That's the pilot. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. So basically, Bob Hoover, the stunt pilot, was traveling from he's going to San Diego from I believe Los Angeles or something no any somewhere he was traveling inside California somewhere and mid-flight his plane engines shut off and he freaks out but he's somehow able to land the plane so he checks the the gas tank and it's a World War II fighter jet so it takes like real unleaded gasoline instead of jet fuel and it had been fueled up with jet fuel so he mar the next day he like marches in i don't know if it was the next day or not but he marches back to uh, the place where he took off from and he finds the mechanic who serviced his plane and the mechanics like sweat and beads shaking in his boots you know like he almost killed three people and um bob just puts his arm around him and and says to show you that i trust you and that i know you'll never do it again i want you to service my f16 or my f whatever tomorrow and that story really hit home for me just like even when people let you down you you can't criticize them and you got to trust them again Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was just a you know perfect example of of this principle, you know, because um, he definitely had the right to chew the guy out, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that guy should have gotten his. Yeah, he destroyed the airplane, put three people's lives at risk, and it was. But, you know, it was just like an innocent mistake. There's nothing malicious in it, right? But, but the fact that that um, the pilot just had the, maybe going back to self-awareness to um, and patience to not anger quickly and to be level-headed in that moment is, is really impressive, I think. Yeah, I was uh, honestly, 
Props to that guy. I don't know if I could, could do that. I mean, I like to think so now that I've like read the first chapter of this book that I could, but I, probably not. Probably take some practice. Yeah. I want to know what went on in that guy's life to be able to just brush that off like that. Yeah, I don't even know who Bob Hoover is. Yeah, well, I just told you, he's the pilot. <laughs> he's a pilot. American fighter pilot. Yeah. yeah, dude. Way cool guy. Cool story. Yeah. Anyway, y'all, read the first chapter of the book. Uh, let us know what you think. If we had a website, maybe we'll hook that up one day. We'll put a link to where you could buy the book. That'd be cool. <laughs> if we make it big. Yeah. In the future. <laughs> if you're listening to this five years down the road and we're famous. Yeah. I mean, we can't be too famous. Nobody reads books anymore. I don't know, dude. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's always... It'd be a long shot, but I'm willing to shoot that shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, <True>. crap. I, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right. Yeah, read the book. It's good. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. It is. Um, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs>